الله أكبر الله أكبر الله أكبر الله Welcome back to Normies Like Us, the podcast that reminds you it's hip to be square in the name of the Father, the Son, and one unholy spirit, we take a trip to hell and back as we talk the exorcist on Normies Like Us. You heard it up top. <coughs> Sorry. Um, you heard it up top. We're back with a spook, spook, spooktober episode. That's right. We are kicking things off and getting scary on this podcast because we're talking the original horror movie. That's right. It's The Exorcist with your host, um, Your Mother Sucks Calling in Hell. <laughs> wow all right i guess uh facilitating that mike zuzu <laughs> and this is uh the power of Cobb compels you <laughs> the, the power, power of Cobb compels, compels you. you there's no finish captain it Cobb finish it father jacob <laughs> right <laughs> no um so you know this is the the exorcist podcast you've never heard before you know the the uh pod rector's cut i guess of this wow that's right talking the original uh that's right. Oftentimes said to be the scariest horror movie of all time. Now, uh, 1974, right? So we're going back before. 73, I think. 73 again. I'm sorry. Yes. 73. No problem. Um, but yeah, this predates some of, some of the classics we've talked about, like Texas Chainsaw and, and even like Black Halloween. Halloween. Inspire, or Black Christmas. It would inspire Halloween. Yeah, this is like the yeah. OG. And it's kind of, you know, it, it's different. It's a lot different tonally. It's a lot different structurally. And it, it definitely had a big impact, I think, on creating a market for scary movies uh, in the mainstream. Totally. So it's cool to be talking about it to break into uh, Spooktober. Um, yeah, oh, I would say... recommendation, so yeah. But well, happy Spooktober, you guys. Yeah, no, happy no, no. Happy, happy Spooktober. I'm yes. very excited to be talking, uh, in particular, this film, because, of course, we did just lose the director as well, William Friedkin, uh, yeah. R.I.P. And, of course... We have a guns into the new air. entry in the universe coming up as well. So it's it's kind of exorcist time, right, Jacob? That is right. And um, like you said, there is a new The Exorcist Believer, directed by David Gordon Green, uh, our favorite Halloween director. Corey Cunningham. Uh, coming out. <laughs> yeah, I can't believe Corey Cunningham gets possessed. Corey in this Cunningham. Movie. Wow. So good. That's right. Yeah. He's coming. He's, he's going to ruin every... They got to exercise uh, Michael Myers' spirit from him in the new one, right? That's, yeah. That's Is it happening. Pazuzu? No, it's Michael Myers. <laughs> oh, my God. Jamie Lee Curtis has to reach out to him. Anyway, but uh, as jokes of, aside, we're getting yeah, as, as of, of, as of uh, you. <laughs> this podcast, times. the day this podcast comes out, th- well, three days from mm-hmm. today when you're listening to this, Normies, uh, the new movie will drop. And I also wanted to mention, speaking of William Friedkin, RIP to the man, mm-hmm. um, his last movie, The Kane Mutiny. Trial uh, of the Kane Mutiny or something yes. like that. Mm. Uh, is he was working on that in 2023 as he was, you know, um, before he passed away and 87 years old, I believe mm. <laughs> directing a film. <laughs> yes. And that movie is coming to Paramount plus coincidentally on October 6th, the same day that 
Exorcist Believer comes out. So strange coincidence Whoa. there. Um, and I just wanted to start. Starring Kiefer so Sutherland, your favorite. Kiefer Sutherland, as well as Lance Reddick, one of his last roles. So uh, kind of a depressing movie all around. But uh, I wanted to also boys. mention that. Yeah. And in, we'll, in we'll talk about another Lost Boy. Well, too. that's um, right. And I wanted to shout out Guillermo del Toro, who, uh, for liability reasons, had to be the co-director of this movie and be on set every day because of William Friedkin's age and his health concerns uh, for mm. the studio. They're like, we need a co-director. So Guillermo del Toro uh, went to set every day, sat next to William Friedkin just to get this thing made. And uh, so shout out to him. You know what? That's amazing. That reminds me of when Prairie Home Companion by Robert Altman came out. Paul Thomas Anderson, Paul Thomas Anderson did the same thing. Mm. Uh, as you're saying, uh, these film companies make you do that to get uh, film insurance. That's bullshit. Yeah. But uh, to sit down with a master, yeah. God, to sit down with Friedkin. I'd trade you Del Toro. That sounds incredible. Yeah. yeah. It's just the greatest internship. Uh, shout out the name, the title of that film again, Jacob. It's called me. Just so we can get this right here. The viewers know. Yeah. I love the Kane mutiny. Is that truly what it is? It is called. It's the Kane mutiny court martial. Oh, okay. Got it. All right. Yeah, starring Kiefer Sutherland. Uh, and like I said, one of Lance Reddick's last roles and, you know, freaking, he's an interesting director for me. I like him a lot. He's kind of hard to, to pigeonhole because he's made many different kinds of movies not really a horror director like this is kind of maybe his only horror movie he mainly mm. does like more thrillers or like uh psych like like a psychological thriller heist films you know procedurals um, procedurals the french connection sorcerer cruising to live and mm. die in LA. I mean, you just named every one of my favorite films. I've, I've read yeah. his biography, the Friedkin connection. It's, mm. it's one of the most interesting books I've ever read. I won't mm. recommend it to you guys only to say, do the audiobook version. Instead, he reads his own memoir. Oh, sure. And this guy, he like, you've never heard of himself talk. as he, yeah. Oh, he's a great storyteller. Hey, how are you? Billy nice. Friedkin here. And here's the thing. He's got a nice thick Chicago accent and he just tells it like it is and tells things like slapping Linda Blair and doing some bad things on this set. Um, yeah. And, you know, you don't want to give a free pass to, but I'll just say he was such a larger than life character. Absolutely. Yeah. He wasn't afraid to speak his mind uh, about other people in the film industry. Uh, you know, his his story about uh, watching, the, going to the premiere of uh, Exorcist 2, The Heretic, and walking out within 10 minutes and saying, this is the worst piece of shit I've ever seen. Uh, right. So, yeah, really interesting guy, uh, really great character, and RIP to him. Yeah, RIP. And too, but yeah, I wonder what he would have said if he saw The, the Hobbit in 48 FPS. Well, here, you know, <laughs> can I say it? something, though? He talks a lot in that memoir. It's kind of what you wouldn't believe from a guy who really pioneered practical effects. And Mike Friedkin, uh, Friedkin mm -hmm. connection, the French connection, those yeah. practical stunt driving. I mean, he's in the car while they're doing things that should have got them all arrested. Right. He yeah. actually says, though, maybe we'll talk about this later. That if I was making The Exorcist today, I would have used all digital effects. They're so easy. Yeah. It's kind of like George Lewis. Really yeah. He just, he really does, Jacob. The laziness of that generation, a Lucas in particular. It's not amazing. laziness, but just the ability to throw away everything that made you you is just really incredible. Yeah. Yes. All these great directors of the 70s 
saying like, oh, if we had CGI, we would have been using it back then. It's like, you're missing like what made your movie great. I don't know how you don't understand that, but uh, yeah, this you know. is kind of a masterclass of that. And I want to ask you guys, you know, first of all, Colin, this is your recommendation. What's your history with The Exorcist? You know, I am instead going to start with my family's history with The Exorcist. As I texted both of my parents what their first reactions were to seeing this film. Oh, um, I definitely remember them telling stories as a young person because I would say, guys, Psycho, kind of the huge film slash horror film that changes things, quote unquote, for the right. world. That's our grandparents generation. That's the 50s. This film, that's this was the like birds. the biggest events of our parents' lives until Star Wars comes out. So, yeah, um, my mom, says she was 17. Mm -hmm. Uh, she went with her older sister, Carol. They weren't allowed to go. She snuck her there. It was a drive-in. And as a Catholic, they had gone to a mass on the previous Sunday where the priest told people not to go see the film. They had a very, there was a very big reaction from the Catholic church. And, uh, like a lot of people hated this movie when it came out, they thought it was crass, like, you know, schlock basically, which is crazy because it was nominated for an Academy Award for Best Picture. But um, insane, insane. Yeah, we'll get into That's, that. And my mom had nightmares. She cried. Her parents got her older sister in trouble because she was like, why did you do this? How could you take her? Um, my father also says 17. They're not the same age. So one of them is wrong. <laughs> I found that to be a very interesting point that they both remembered being 17. Seeing this. Right, right. Um, I went with some buddies from high school who were 18. I was only 17. Due to the film's rating, if you were under 18, you had to be accompanied by a guardian. We saw it at the Springdale Cineplex. I remember cops were there checking IDs, but wow. I was not questioned, so we went in. The film was like nothing I had ever seen, terrifying and disturbing. Wow. Sure. I mean, you see all those interviews of people, you know, where they're like, oh, there's like at least 12 people passing out every showing. And like, yes, it was a phenomenon. It was like there was so much yes. buzz around it being well, absolutely terrifying. Yes. Absolutely. And like you're saying, Colin, like the horror genre as we knew it at that time was much different. Like you said, Hitchcock kind of shaped what horror would become, but there was no slashers. That was not a thing like. It was like, should we go see William Castle's The Tingler, where your yeah. seats vibrate while while a guy on the screen says, it's The Tingler. Right. <laughs> okay. It's a, yeah, much more boring power than The Shining. Yes. But, you know. Yeah. Yeah. You had The Shining coming out a couple years later. 1980, but, I believe. Yeah. Yeah. Another yes. R-Tour um, horror, but anyway. Mm-hmm. And, but this one, what strikes me about it you know, rewatching it is just how, how much of a slow burn it kind of is compared to what we consider horror movies. Now it's, it really takes this time to set up and establish the story, these characters, like it, it just takes its time and not to be like all old head about it. Like they don't make them like they used to, you know, <laughs> but they kind of don't make they them. Like they used to. Like, yeah. What I mean, is, what is incredible. your history with yeah. this film, Jacob? Um, not too much of a history. I mean, I, I watched it for the first time back in college when I was kind of going through all the, you know, the, the, the canon of like established, you know, great films. I was like, let me try to fill in my, you know, anything that I'm missing in my, my knowledge of film. So I was watching a lot of different old movies and stuff and I watched it in college and, uh, remember liking it a lot, but hadn't really returned to it in a, in a while until, you know, for this podcast. And I've actually 
watched it twice in the past several weeks just because I was wow. like, let me watch it again because I just love it so much. Let me really soak in everything. And uh, it's incredible. What a what a picture. What, what a, picture. a picture. I tell you what, what a picture. You've never seen anything like it. Um, that's right. This That's cinema to me. It is. I, I had never seen this movie. Mm. Shocker. Wow. So fresh reaction, first viewing uh, yesterday night. I threw it on two hours. I was like, damn, all right. We're, we're a real movie, I guess. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. We'll, we'll get into my thoughts, but it is a, it's a, it's a great piece of cinema. Something we're checking out. Oh, fucking um, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm happy to be here talking about it. I have a secret link. I have a secret uh, shout out at the end of the episode for you. Mm. That is my main exposure to the exorcist storyline. Uh, I had seen mm. some of the main bits and like commercials and, Oh, it's the scariest thing. And I didn't really yeah. get the horror until college and it just was a blind spot for me. So totally glad that we're doing it. And it kind Same. of, you know, through cultural osmosis, people know like, like with like the Godfather or any other really famous movie, like, you know, a lot of the famous parts, the famous lines, like the head spinning around all yeah. that kind of stuff. But Pea seeing, soup. actually seeing yeah. it. Yeah. It's it's a it's an experience as a narrative too because it is unconventional. But maybe um maybe that's a good place to jump into it. Then I guess yeah. I mean we've kind of hyped it up. We, we're we've all seen it recently. Some of us more than once. And uh, yeah, let's exercise some demons, guys. Let's go get after it <laughs> right after this. We're back. Here at Norby's like us. Oh, oh, sorry again. The the Pazuzu keeps Uh-oh. coming through because we're talking. Push it back. Coming through through. <laughs> the Pazuzu coming through through. Uh, <laughs> on this podcast as we're talking this incredible film, 1973, directed by William Friedkin, uh, written by William Blatty. It is adapted from his own novel. He kind of was a screenwriter, novelist, screenwriter, novelist. Makes this film, produces it as well, uh, uh, and it's an absolute fucking hit, nominated for a bazillion Academy Awards. That's right, as a, a stupendous legacy, and one of the mm. few horror movies to ever be nominated for Best Picture for one thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, Linda Blair, Best Supporting Actress, Ellen Burstyn, Best Actress, uh, Jason Miller, Best Supporting Actor. So. A lot of noms. I think it had two wins, screenplay and sound design. So that's kind of interesting. Won a bunch um, of Golden Globes. Yeah. yeah, you would think also, visual Also, we effects, should shout but, out, yeah. yes, for sure, costuming as well. But the special effects slash makeups are done by legendary makeup artist Dick Smith, who we should mm. shout out because he wins a like honorary Academy Award truly like in like 2011 or something like that, like so, mm. so, so late, but only because... In 1973, there was not a Makeup Academy Award that did not come oh. around until 1981. Oh, okay, that, that makes sense. sense. I was like, how didn't this win? Like, how could makeup? Yeah, some or of this special is effects? better than stuff. That well, how could Star today? Wars not? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Yeah, right, right, yeah. That makes sense. Though. But like you said, William Friedkin directed William Peter Blatty screenplay. Now they didn't get along very well on set. The two, those two. Um, <laughs> And I was I reading about <laughs> yeah, the making insane. of this film. Freakin' is hard to work with. Uh, they had kind of had deferring ideas on some of it. And now I can go in a little bit, but I, I did watch the sequel, uh, 
<laughs> the Exorcist 2, The Heretic, not a good movie. Uh, and I do want to watch Exorcist 3, which was directed by William Peter Blatty himself, uh, who wrote and directed it based on his sequel novel called Legion. Uh, wow. So very interesting. There's a lot of bad sequels made of this movie, but uh, maybe one coming movie, out now. Yeah. <laughs> right. And also a whole uh, many of the exorcism ofs, you know, it created yes, a yes, genre. I mean, yes. <laughs> yeah. Course. And really, it's never been done better than the original. Mm-hmm. So no. Uh, but I wanted to ask you guys, so have, are you aware at all of the curse of this movie? Have you heard anything about that? Ever? I'm aware of the poltergeist curse, which you were saying up mm. top, Colin. If I could have used computers, I would have. And poltergeist is a clear example of why you shouldn't do that. Like all the hard, sure. bad effects. But yeah, I'm right. aware of the poltergeist curse, but not the curse surrounding this. Colin, do you know about it? And uh, I assume it's like the little ghost child in uh, Three Men and a Baby. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I don't know. Yeah. No, there was um, essentially there was a bunch of difficulties with the production uh, and it was known to be cursed, as they say, because it I mean, it went way over budget. Uh, there was a bunch of problems. Shooting was delayed for six weeks when a, bl- a bird flew into an electrical circuit, caused a big fire on a bunch of sets. <laughs> uh, a bunch of people associated with the production died or their family members died like the guy that played Burke Dennings in this movie died like a week after he finished filming while this movie was still in production. Um, a crew member cut off his thumb and then another crew member lost his toe in two different accidents on the set of this movie. Uh, and I also wanted to mention the most wow. disturbing part of this all is, uh, so in the scene, not to jump ahead too far in the plot, but in the scene where Reagan goes into the okay. doctor, yeah, yeah, to do some Spoilers. tests, Spoilers. they're doing some uh, cat scans yes. or whatever they're doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there's a Before guy that we plays turn to exorcism. Yeah, we're like, okay, let's do some doctor stuff. Yeah, yeah. In that scene, there's a guy that plays the technician that's like putting the needle in her and stuff. A guy mm-hmm. named Paul Bateson. Now, Paul Bateson was a real uh, radiological tech technologist that Friedkin just apparently knew somehow. Um, But after this movie, you know, about six years after this movie, he Mm. would be convicted of murder for killing uh, someone, uh, obviously. And not only that, but he was, he was implicated in a series of serial killings known as the bag murders in the seventies, which was a series of unsolved Whoa. killings of targeting gay men in the S and M and leather community. Oh, well, of course. Now, so then he, yeah. what Whoa. does that inspire? Oh, he that makes sounds the film like cruising. Of yeah. Course. So that sounds like That's the premise great. of William Friedkin's 1980 movie cruising. It's because he was inspired by this true story of this guy, Paul Bateson, who's in this movie who might be a serial killer. He went to jail for a long time, gotten out in 2003, never admitted to being a serial killer, mm-hmm. but Friedkin... And he loves going on, to the exorcist. He loves wow. going to screenings, just answering questions from fans. Yeah. Like, could you imagine? That but Friedkin wild. did say, like, based on his personal conversations with this man, he did believe that he was the bag murder serial killer yep. and sure. made a movie about it called Cruising, starring Al Pacino. Uh, so Jeez. really fascinating and disturbing but uh, i mean so he a- meets police officer eddie egan and does french connection based on popeye doyle but really eddie egan his whole life is meeting maniacs and going like i could make a movie out of you this, uh, yeah and i could film here <laughs> right wow. so literally a convicted murderer is in this movie several of the people like i said died or had family members die uh 
even Max von Sydow, his brother died during production of this movie. So really, really a lot of weird stuff happened. And Friedkin himself said, you know, he said, I'm not really a religious person, but I do believe that something weird was going on on that set, like something sinister. So very spooky stuff. That's how I'd sell tickets to my movie too, but yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Um, Very weird set of coincidences or not. Yeah. Yeah, That's a lot of tragic events happening during one production. That is. Yeah. Oh, also Ellen Burstyn and Linda Blair both suffered like back injuries during set just from different stunts. Uh, Oh, I believe that. Linda Blair like fractured her spine because of the shaking bed at one point. And um, I think Ellen Burstyn like had a serious injury when in the scene when she gets like a dresser thrown at her and stuff like she got pretty seriously injured and and for the rest of the shoot had to use crutches basically. So if you told me the black eye in this film was real the whole Mm -hmm. time, I'd be like, yeah, of course. Absolutely. Yeah. Who was this offered to? I know a little bit. Like, imagine Aubrey Hepburn getting hit by a dresser and having to walk around yes, in crutches. Sure. I think she was one of the first people they went out to for this role. But yeah, I'm not there an was expert, but wild. No, um, there was. Yeah, there was a lot of. Uh, There's a lot of stuff about casting. They were looking at a bunch of different people. For mm-hmm. Father Karras, the studio wanted Jack Nicholson or Paul yes. Newman. Um, huh. And actually, oh. they hired uh, an actor named Stacy Keach for a while. But of course. Then the father uh, and Titus. Yes. Mm, but then right, when Friedkin right. Friedkin met Jason Miller and he's like, this guy is perfect for this role. Jason and, Miller was a playwright. I, uh, I watched yeah. this with uh, William Friedkin's commentary. Cause again, mm. his voice is so magnetic and he's just such a cult like figure that I just kind of have to hear him talk about the things that he does. And he talks about seeing Jason Miller's play. He'd never been in a film before begged him for a screen test. Why would I do that? I've already cast the film. Right. I could do it if you came in two days. Oh, I can't come in two days. I'm scared to fly. I'll have to take the train. It'll take me a week. A week. We can. I've already cast somebody and you want a week? Well, we can. So I gave him a shot. And you know what? He impressed me so much. I told the executives, we have to cast this nobody who never did anything. And it, Mike, here, here's an interesting for you. Mm-hmm. Jason Miller uh, is the, the father, father of, of a famous actor, Jason Patrick. who. Boy. He is the star of Lost Boys, one of your favorite movies. He's the older wow. brother. Yeah, th- Michael. Yeah. Michael. Michael. Yeah. There were Jason Michael. Patrick. Real yeah. name, I guess, Jason Miller Jr., but goes by Jason Patrick for some reason. I believe it's his middle name. I Here's huh. the thing. Jason Patrick is one of those guys who, if you look up all of his roles, he basically was offered every role Johnny Depp ever had, but kind of turned it down. And you go, what happened there? And he gives a lot of interviews about how the way his father was treated by Hollywood, he never wanted to happen to him. So he was always very wary about becoming a movie star. Mm. Um, and if you look up Jason Miller's life after this film, he did not have a very, a very good time. So yeah, he kind of became an alcoholic. alcoholism. Yeah, yeah. But the reason he wanted this role so bad is he had his own kind of spiritual, uh, thing that he was going through his struggles with faith faith. yeah Yeah, so he's like this character is me you don't understand i need to play this character so and he's incredible in this yeah he really is great great he's like my favorite yeah he's the i think my favorite part of this movie like he just killed well the first time i watched Mm -hmm. it i kind of just always considered it max von sydow's movie but watching it this time i was like no father he's more of a supporting character one of the most interesting (laughs) characters yes Mm -hmm. absolutely yeah marion is not in it that much no not Um, at all but when it comes to so the so Chris uh, McNeil the the Ellen Burstyn role you're correct Mike Audrey Hepburn 
Anne Bancroft and John, Jane Fonda were all considered, wow. see them all. Uh, but they all wow. rejected it. Um, so they're like, okay, what about Shirley MacLaine? She didn't want to do it. Carol Burnett, she didn't want to do it. So eventually <laughs> they got Ellen Burstyn. And um, I like Ellen, you know, I mainly know Ellen Burstyn from that movie, Requiem for a Dream. You guys ever see that movie? Uh, that one's in my blind spot too. But. Mm. Darren yeah, Aronofsky. plays the old lady who watches yes. the shows and shit. Yeah. Jared Leto, Jennifer Connelly. Mm. Good movie. Anyways. Uh, but yeah, and she'll be in this new one, Exorcist Believer, returning as sort of the Turns Jamie out. Lee Curtis, uh, you know, legacy role. So interesting. Right. That is interesting. But I think I think the whole cast is really good in this. Uh, so. Oh, yeah. I could see yeah, any kill it. people in it, but man, there's something about this movie. And just to mention also Max von Sydow, of course, the Swedish actor who... I don't know if you guys, how much you guys know about this guy. Very interesting, very long career. Only died a few years ago in 2020 um, at the age of 90. But he was his first movie, his first role was in 1949, and his last role was in 2018. So Jesus uh, Christ, very long career. Uh, yeah. Of course, he was in Ingmar Bergman's The Seventh Seal, kind of mm-hmm. his big crossover hit, uh, playing chess with death uh mm-hmm. and then went we're on all to film be school guys. bill and ted yeah i've seen that yes one. well exactly. of course my exactly. we're all film school guys i have to imagine that really was our exposure to him was kind of those later in life roles but uh, you know honestly we were kind of texting about this but i was saying to you guys that uh, upon watching this you forget that he was such a young man at the time and it really is prosthetics to make him such an older priest because yeah. he's just been someone in our lives who's always been old, right? Yeah. Oh, he's that's that's an old guy. man. He's Star Wars guy, yeah. Decades, yeah. he's been the old guy, kind of journeyman, kind of shows up in a lot of things. His two of his last roles were, of course, The Force Awakens uh, and Game of Thrones, where he played the three eyed raven. Which right. which do you think Ingmar Bergman would understand more if you explained it to him, Jacob? Game of Thrones or Star either. Wars? <laughs> so somehow Palpatine yeah. returns. Okay. So, <laughs> so I played the three-eyed raven. <laughs> yeah. I do not um, like this. No. But yeah, he he of course was known for his his work with Ingmar Bergman. He started in like seven of his movies. Then kind of crossed over, did some English language, of course, uh, in Hollywood. This one being one of his first big American movies. Uh, he only started doing English language in like the mid 60s. So there you go. Huh. Yeah. It is crazy but, how good these effects look. Colin, you were texting. Like he just looked like he did yeah. the makeup in Star Wars. Like, and he's, yeah, he's I in his mid 40s. guy in this. I couldn't. Yeah. yeah. He's in his mid 40s at this point, And definitely the makeup looks, makes him look. 20, 30 years older, which is yeah, insane. It makes you yeah. jump on Google. You're like, well, this cannot line up correctly. I yeah. know what this guy looks like when he was this old, and this is not right. Well, that's yeah. what I was thinking. I was like, there's no way you could be this old in 1973 yeah. and make it to 2020. Like, no. that's no. <laughs> makes no sense. Yeah. yeah. No. That's, um, uh, yeah. But I guess, yeah. Best. So, and the Warner Brothers, the studio wanted to cast Marlon Brando in this role. So it's funny, Colin, we were talking off pod about, of course, scary movie Two, um, James Woods kind of coming in and playing the comedic version of this role. But apparently they had art. They were going to have Marlon Brando do that. Um, so it's just funny because Marlon Brando is going to play this role in scary movie when he, originally they wanted him to play this role in this movie. Right. Fully cast. I told you uh, a little earlier before we got on pod fully cast. He comes to set 
with an oxygen tank can barely walk. And they were like, well, no, you can't do this. And then he yeah. died like a month later, Mike. Oh, man. Part of the curse, perhaps. Per- hey. hey. <laughs> Could be. Wild. Wild. But yeah, but uh, I guess William Friedkin saw a picture of the guy that the real person that Father Lancaster Marin is based on. And he was like, this guy. And then he saw a picture of Max von Sydow. And he's like, this guy looks exactly like this, this guy. We need to cast like. him. <laughs> yeah. Yes. So, so I said, let's do it. <laughs> uh, but great casting because I think he's. Train. Yeah, he's also great in this no. movie. No. I'll get one of those for this movie. <laughs> no, the casting is incredible. I think every one in this movie is incredible. Yes. And we've yet to mention sort of the star of the show, you know, Linda Blair. That's right. Linda Blair. Linda Blair. A non-actor at the time. This was like, I believe, her film debut. Obviously, they were auditioning a bunch of child actors and stuff. And then she just had kind of the best chemistry with Ellen Burstyn, her mother. Ellen Burstyn interviewed her. They improvised. Uh, Linda Blair came from an equestrian background. She would later, just after this filming, go back to high school, you know, go back to her school where she was a straight-A student. She rode horses. She would do that, like, all over the country, I guess, you know, in competition. And we said nominated for an Academy Award. I mean, it's kind of a one of a kind performance that sets the tone for all possession performances going forward. Yeah. And and of course, at times uh, she they did use a stunt double for certain scenes. Um, also, Mercedes McCambridge, a, a very famous radio actress of the 40s and 50s did the Pazuzu voice at times. So uh, it's not always her doing the voice and stuff, but she did a great job for like what she was asked to do for sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of physicality here, even with the stunt people being included, the just kind of range to expect someone who's first movie. It's yeah. There's some crazy stuff in here. So, and I have to say it wouldn't work. The movie doesn't work if Reagan doesn't work. So no, and they really got a great performance out of her because having seen the Exorcist 2, which she's in uh, as an older uh, 16-year-old Reagan, she's not very good in that movie. Like, she's really, like, some child actors, they grow up and they're just not, you know, they don't quite make it, you Doesn't know? Work. So, somehow, they got a great performance out of her in this movie. You just got to slap them around a little bit, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well. Just the Kubrick way, yeah. Joke. Yeah, that, and again. <laughs> joke. That's just joke, a but, two, yeah. two smaller, quicker antidotes. The the one to reference that is he would literally say, to get the performance out of Linda Blair, Will, William Friedkin, do you love me? Yes. Do you trust me? Yes. And slap her in the face as hard as he could. And she wow. would burst into tears and he would say action and she would do like all the crazy stuff. Um, Shades of good, Kubrick crazy on The Shining. And yes. And, and yeah. he he's such a huge acolyte of um, um, Orson Welles that you have to imagine, too, that the, just the level of perfection he's going for. It's all yeah. plotted out. You know, he just keeps saying that. If you look at his shot composition, it truly is, too. But the right. other maniac behavior loaded gun he would carry on set and fire at random times to startle people before yes. he would hit action and yeah, that amazing. i think really is what contributed to jason miller kind of becoming a little unhinged oh sure and there's something about hey, this era it's worth it for like, the performance yeah no, mm. that's what was the thought back then it's like these are tours yeah. they get to do whatever they want carte blanche and a lot of that would be considered a there's a like, lot of yeah reassessing right of 
Like, oh, it used to be like joining a, a play yeah. or a movie or a TV show was like joining the army. Whatever <laughs> happens to you, it's like you survived it. Yeah. Yeah. Again, yeah, Kubrick on The Shining, like traumatizing. Yeah. Uh, what's her name? And and just Shelley Shelley doing mm-hmm. Shelley Duvall and just doing whatever he could to get the best performance, which is kind of how it was done in those days. And you know, people like Hitchcock and Orson Welles, they didn't have a lot of respect for actors. They just like no. Hitchcock would say, actors are cattle. Like I tell them where to yes. stand and what to do, and like I control the picture. So that yeah. that was I the, just need the most beautiful bomb under the table. All kinds of shit. This has been going. Yeah. On. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, not to endorse it, but you know, no. The the picture is what what they captured is what they captured. The methods are the methods. But we're just going to talk about what the viewer experiences. But some wild yes. stuff going on. Just know that going into this. Maybe not always oh, yeah. the best working conditions, but you know, no. different no. times. Have, let's yeah. let's jump into it. spoilers. Obviously, we're going to be talking yes. about the whole 1973 film, The Exorcist. What up? What up? Uh, but on top of that, before we really go through like knife by knife by knife, like beat by beat by beat, Mike, mm-hmm. first reactions. What did you think about seeing this film? Now, like Jacob said up top, kind of a slow film. How does it play to a modern man seeing it for the first time? Honestly, it's pretty. It reminds me of something we covered last year because I had not seen that film either and that's silence of the lambs like Mm. that's kind of slower and it's Mm. like psychological you know and it's not really that this has more kind of scary elements horrific elements in it you know shining is a lot more psychological but it has a similar tone where we're following this main character who kind of doesn't have all the information and i'm talking about um damien you know, dummy, whatever. Yeah. It's like, it's like, it kind of feels similar. when he's Jimmy. just running and maybe it's just people jogging in sweatsuits that gets me <laughs> thinking that, but I yeah. thought this was really good, but it is. It's slow. me, mama. It's Demi. Yeah. I, I would Absolutely. And I wonder, you know, how modern mm. audiences who had never seen it would react to this kind of movie because it is a slower burn, but there's just so much going on kind of underneath the surface and you really get invested in these characters, right? I would call it methodical. I think we need to replace slow with methodical with some of these older films that were just made with a different intent, a different type of pacing in mind, and a different audience in mind. So, no, I I like that. And I need to watch it again, I think, because there's so much going on. Absolutely. That's why I did watch it twice in like the last couple of weeks. I was like, I really want to soak in everything. And I like how kind of slow and methodical it is. I like how the the slow build of Reagan kind of changing over time. And the, you don't quite know, like they kind of lean into like, is it like a sign? Is it some kind of medical condition? Is it religion for like a long time? Like until like maybe the last half hour of the movie, like, um, you know, Damien's you know, still we not should convinced. do some exercising in this film called The Exorcist. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And like Damien's such an interesting character because he's a psychiatrist and also a priest. So he's got like the scientific side and the spiritual side. And he's kind of trying to reconcile those. And then he's got the the guilt of his mother dying and all this stuff. So he's a very complicated character. Dr. Harris, mm-hmm. counselor to fellow Jesuit priest. That is a fascinating thing to point out, Jacob. Yeah. He's probably my favorite character in this. There's just so much going mm-hmm. on. Um, and the way he has to interact with the changing situations and stuff. And, you know, similar with the mother, like there's horror being told from many angles and many characters yeah. are exper- experiencing different types of horror. And I think that's pretty clever how they do yeah. that. And as a priest, you would expect, like, in these kind of movies, like, the priest characters, like, the exorcist, exorcism specialist, like, he's going to come in. And that's kind of what Father Marin is, I guess. But he's really skeptical for most of the movie. He's like, he's I'm more of a psychiatrist, of you know? Yeah, like, we, there must be some kind of psychological 
reasoning behind this. He doesn't really believe in demon possession until the end. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, there's a lot of twists and turns to get there, but I, I really thoroughly enjoyed it. So I guess um, without further ado, we'll just jump into it. We're going to go beat by beat, Pazuzu by Pazuzu uh, wow. right after this. <laughs> We're back here on Normies Like Us. Uh, we need an old priest and we need a young priest because we're mm-hmm. talking the exorcist. Uh, let's dive in. We start in Afghanistan. <laughs> we start in uh, uh, an Indiana Jones movie. Yes, yes, yeah. yes. That's a great way to put it. We <laughs> like, meet in, in Indiana Jones vibes. who is also an archaeologist, <laughs> which is, again, well, I guess, is that what Sean Connery is in The Last Crusade? <laughs> He seems yeah, very priesty or, or religious. Yeah, he's kind of like a professor or something. The right? Holy Grail mm. of Christ. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. It's a religious tie. Do you think? But yeah, he's in Iraq, I believe, Max von Yes, I apologize. He's in Iraq. Um, mm. uh, Friedkin points out uh, on the commentary that this was at the time where Saddam Hussein was not in power, but his party was in power. America was obviously not um, at peace with uh, the Iraqi people or had mm. any sort of uh, agreement to participate in any filming or anything. So right. he um, had to go over there with British uh, military kind of helping him um, and and basically with just the mercy of the Iraqi government. And they agreed to it and let him film on the condition that he taught local Iraqis how to, mm. to make movies and specifically huh. – how to make film blood, which he says I did, and I loved showing them. <laughs> wow! So, then, what do you think that is? <laughs> I don't know, but I mean, uh, they get some pretty cool locations here. Like yes. it's all shot on location mm-hmm. in Iraq, and I mean, there's a lot of extras and stuff that I assume were just people that oh, he found, and it's the people it in the insane great. asylum are just people who are in the insane asylum, unfortunately. Oh, sure. So it's it's him really just going like, yeah, show me some crazy. Well, does he? Yeah. Uh, does, sorry, William Friedkin. Does he have like a documentary background? I thought I heard something like that, or at least a documentary style. Like, this this is real. particularly he is going for a very documentarian style. Yeah, yeah. he's really he, he does a lot day. of theatrical. It's a lot of plays, mm. and I think that's what really attracts him to mm. finding cast members like the fact that uh, Jason was Jason Miller was a, a playwright and a play actor specifically. Yeah. Gotcha. And this is still pretty early on in his film career. I mean, he made uh, French Connection 71 a couple years before this. He made The Boys in the Band, which is a drama about uh, gay men. Once the AIDS crisis. Yeah. yeah, the AIDS crisis. Uh, so, yeah, he did a lot of different things, but this is before kind of some of his later pictures obviously you know what i'll yeah. make a book about, i'll make a movie about the devil book that sounds I can see, great let's do I can that see the instinct though to be like if we just point the camera over there it'll look real because it is like, like yeah you know what i mean yeah i, I got yes. I, I can see yeah. that process but it's all very so well we, filmed it's very yeah, we effective start with opening, um, I think. it's a lot of evocative imagery what is his name father marin what is father lancaster marin father lancaster marin in his yeah. archaeology world he's he's on site he's digging up some religious artifacts he has a premonition when he finds something in particular of an evil spirit that we will go on to realize is pazuzu is he ever named in this film i don't believe in this movie in the sequel they go a lot into the lore of pazuzu and again not very good kind of 
<laughs> a terrible sequel that kind of ruins this movie. But um, yeah, so but it is based on an Assyrian demon, I believe, of lore. So a it's prince based of on hell. Yes. Mm. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Not named, I think, you know, and it's sometimes uh, we'll, we'll get there. But th- this entity is fascinating to talk about. But meanwhile, yeah, we're just in the desert. And it's not just it's what's interesting, too, is it's not the devil. Like a lot. I feel like a lot of exorcism movies are specifically about Satan. And that's this demon. Pazuzu is not Satan. Right. So that's kind of interesting. Yes. Yes. Captain Howdy. Captain Um, Howdy. He is Captain Howdy. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. You know, to his friends. Um, Where do we go after this intro? We find the artifact. We go to the Iraqi house. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of just having a bad time. And then we really just cut away and then kind of go into some cross cutting. So we go to Georgetown uh, uh, in the middle of filming. We met Chris McNeil, who's a very famous actress, I guess, who's doing some sort of like you can't fight the system or power movie. Yeah. About young people. But. Wow, it's revealed to be a film. She's a successful young actress who's getting divorced or is divorced and is living with her young daughter, Reagan, in this home that they've just purchased to uh, to film around. Yes. Right, right. The father's not present in this movie at all. We kind of hear talks about him, but they're living there and then they have a little bit of help. There's like a maid and a butler kind of vibe because she's got some yeah, money. She's yeah. a pretty well-off actress. Her I believe the father is in Europe at this time, they say. So he's kind of out of the picture. He, you know, we see Reagan's birthday. He's supposed to call on Reagan's birthday and he doesn't call until like late at night and that kind of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah, she's trying to be a good mom to Reagan while also doing her job as an actress. And, um, yeah, that's where we start this movie off at. Yeah. yeah. And we cross cut over to and Mike, I got to say, first time I watched this film, I did not remember how much Father Karras really was like the co-lead of this film. But we cut over to Father Karras Mm -hmm. and we see the setup to his life in the life of a Jesuit priest who is having some some bad feelings. He's getting on the subway. He sees a homeless person who's like, can you spare some change? He almost sees a flash of a demonic face, but really it's not. You know, it's not cutting like it is for uh, the other priest. Instead, he's just seeing like the horrors of humanity. He's losing his faith in God because he does not like the men and women he sees around him. Yeah. Yes. And as a suffering disenfranchised. Yeah. Yeah. As a priest who's also a psychiatrist, he's kind of his job is to like psychoanalyze other priests and like. So, yeah, he's kind of having a crisis of faith where he's like he doesn't really know if this is the right job for him like he kind of asks for he, he kind of gets guidance from another yeah. priest yeah he's like maybe i should just like not be a priest i don't know if i really my heart's in it anymore and stuff so he's right. working at georgetown university where we're gonna learn he has been seen before by chris mcneil but then of course we cut to chris mcneil she's having a luxurious rap party for the bit of this little movie that we saw filming yep. uh and there is another priest there Who's kind of like the fun, easygoing priest. And he's like playing the piano for all of them as they like yeah. sing songs and do this mm-hmm. stuff. And she says, by the way, do you know this priest I see sometimes on campus? That's right. That's right. And this guy we see, he he's a friend of Father Karras. They have some scenes together, uh, especially when he gets love this guy. Yeah. yeah. Um, also a weird scene at that party. Every night. And they love it. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, a weird scene at that party where that guy is like drunk and starts calling that other guy a Nazi. The director. Like, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Starts calling the butler a Nazi. <laughs> You're just a fascist Nazi. Making a like huge a scene. Guy. He gets so yeah. wasted. Yeah. <laughs> Um, like but I love all the details of, of this. Like, it's so weird. This yeah, guy. He just wants to make the guy maybe laugh or react or something, but he pushes it so far, Mike. It's crazy. And then he just goes yeah. back to the party like, oh, that was fun. It's such a weird <laughs> – I guess that's how he gets pushed out a window. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that's Burke Dennings, who th- that actor died a week after f- filming his role on this wow. movie. Wow. So, but you know what? Now that you yeah. pointed out, that makes sense. <laughs> this yeah. is the performance of a guy who's going to die in a week. <laughs> right. <laughs> Um, but I love all the little details of this. Like they just do a really good job of characterizing like this place in this time and like these characters and just sets up this story Feels really so well. Alive. Yeah. Well, I love when you see Karis and it's like, you know, you think priests are you know pretty clean living, healthy, don't desecrate the temple of God, which is your body. He's smoking cigs, yeah. drinking beers. And he's like, he loves Dog, to I don't know if I want to, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> But then yeah. at the same time, he does training. He's like boxing and running. Like there's a yes. push and pull of the healthy and bad habits. Yeah. Yeah. Light yes. Dark. We get the Mike, we get the pan of in his teeny tiny apartment of like, there's my Greek mama. There's me as a little boy. And then, of course, all the photos of me being like a semi pro boxer. And you're like, oh, OK. And then the cut to the gym of him hitting the heavy bag of like, Father Karras, this movie I fucking love this character. It's he's, so fucking he's great. So great. He could beat and, you down. He's given that bag everything he's got too. Yes. Like, yeah. You can tell the frustration, like the, the turmoil in him. He's going through so much. Is this how the so comic book preacher came about? Like a fucking hard smoking oh. priest who's just like beating shit up. Constantine. Like, this is great. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. 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 Wow. Yeah. I mean, he and Jason Miller does a great job. Like, there's just so much going on with this character, and I love the scenes with the police detective where they kind of have a rapport. One thing I will say is like the original cut of this was like 12 minutes longer. The studio wanted to cut like 20 minutes. Blatty was like, no way. Like I want to fight for this picture. How it is. Friedkin ended up cutting, I think 12 minutes out, including some of the scenes that Blatty was like, these are some of the best scenes, including some more scenes with him and the detective kind of establishing yes. their relationship more, which is kind of unfortunate. I think, you know, it could have, it could have used more of the police detective, I think. Now, can mm. I ask what versions did you guys watch? Because I think I watched the director's cut. The mm. DVD I own is called The Cut You've Never Seen. That is what I hit play on. The, it said The Cut You Have Never Seen on the title screen. Wow. So you might have some of those extra scenes. I just I watched that on the extended uh, cut. Yeah, yeah. Like there's a conversation on the stairs with Karis mm. and the other father that was not in my version. So I, did, I watched okay. whatever the theatrical or original cut was. Yeah, they cut the... One of the original last scenes of the movie is that the other father who gives Karis's last rites at the end yep. of the movie talking to the detective and they agree to like go to a movie together and they're kind of establishing a friendship well, too. So Yes. Huh. And then, yeah. And then, ta- and Reagan sees them. I saw the mm. alternate ending. Okay. Huh. Yeah. That was not an, I just watched the cut that's available on max, which is probably just the theatrical cut. Um, but I would love to see that longer cut. Yeah. That, no, I would too. I like these characters so much. Like when I rewatch this, that's probably a good way to do it. You know, I sometimes I don't lean towards director's cuts. I'll be honest with you guys. Sometimes I think you're kind of just messing with a good thing. I don't know. But if I could just see more of these actors interacting on film, I'll yeah. tolerate it this time. I right. would say yeah. specifically like the, the police detective. I like him, but he's I feel like he needs more scenes because it kind of feels like he disappears from the movie for a while. Yeah. And like, I love the scene where he goes and talks to 
Father Karras, and he's kind of trying to get him to like admit stuff and like father. They kind of have a back and forth, and I think that's like really good stuff. He's I like, can't break. You look like a boxer, you know. Yeah, yeah. and then he's like, oh, I can't that break whatever would be attorney-client privilege for a priest right. and his patients. Priest-client privilege. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 If you're in confession, like that's between you right. and your priest, I guess. So, oh yeah, um, the, and then yeah, God, I, and I this other guy named like God, Salminio. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, yeah, yeah, I wouldn't tell a, I wouldn't tell on them if they did a crime but i would uh, try to convince them to turn themselves in he's kind of showing where his morality lies and you know whatever. yeah so we're learning more about him yeah, yeah of course we had the famous exorcist steps in this movie um yeah. a famous filming location similar to the joker steps but i i for some reason when i if you remember that movie the joker uh-huh. uh when he dances on those steps, I thought when I watched that movie that those were the same steps. It's actually different steps, but they just look very similar. But for some reason in my like mind, that was the same wide. location. Uh, this is yeah, that's narrow. true. Okay. Yeah. Okay, guys, what would you prefer to visit? The New York Joker steps, the Georgetown Exorcist steps, or, or the, Rocky the Rocky Philadelphia Philly steps? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure. I'd still lean I Rocky know. Philly steps because there's more movies same, associated same. with those. Yes. I would yeah. run up and do the Rocky pose. <laughs> I want to do that. Oh, you don't want to fall down the exorcist steps and break your neck? <laughs> it's, it's, no. To my death. <laughs> well, not, not your priest yet. go His like, head it's okay. all the way around. <laughs> it's okay. Do last confession. It's okay. Yeah. Jeez, yeah. No. Um, <laughs> no, I'm good. But I, that's probably second on the list. I, I, I would, wouldn't mind walking by there, checking those you out. You dance steps. with Joaquin Phoenix? You'd go oh, to the Joker right. steps by You'd do the dance. <laughs> yeah, Arthur. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, iconic steps. The Exorcist. There we go. Thanks so, for listening. <laughs> yeah, so, we, so of course we're at this party and they're all singing, having a good time, playing the piano. All of a sudden, young Reagan shows up in her nightgown yeah. Says, uh, you're gonna die up there. He says, she says to an <laughs> astronaut who is at the party explaining that he's going oh. to space really soon. That she, Reagan looks at him and says, You're going to die up there. Which, if I was that guy, I'd be like, What the fuck did you just say to yeah. me? Yeah, and then you know, pees herself basically, yes, and everyone is just like, Connor, it's what the hell, yeah. queen, piss queen. <laughs> she just lets it go, man. Right. It is great, and everybody is like, This is horrifying. Yeah. Well, it's all just imagine wrong. my 18 year old parents watching this. <laughs> Sheesh, yeah, yeah. But again, this is a slow burn, so this is the first sign of something's wrong, but. It's pretty early on in the movie, but then a lot of you know stuff kind of slowly happens. It's right? going to build, but we did learn that yeah. there was a Ouija board located. Reagan was playing with. Yes. There's a Captain Howdy. Captain figure, Howdy so has been established a connection potentially with the other side, uh, although not explicitly. It's kind of all hinted at, and then no. this is the first weird thing that she's done. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. In that Ouija board scene, like there is a quick shot of it, like moving by itself, right, and then it cuts away. Mm-hmm. Um, just like really quick. It's almost so quick that you won't wouldn't even notice it. But she's like. Yeah, my friend Captain Howdy. And her mom's like, who's Captain Howdy? He's like, he's my friend, you know. But he doesn't want to talk to you. She's also saying... Yeah. 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 She's also saying how hard it's been to sleep because of all the noise. And that's mm. hinting at the bed stuff is yes. already affecting her. Oh, yeah. One of the first scenes also with Chris McNeil, she she thinks there is rats in the attic because she keeps hearing these noises and her housekeeper's like, no, there's no rats. Like I put trap, like there's no rats. She's like, no, there's definitely something's making noise. So that's kind of one of our first signs as well. That's right. So, so a lot of little details. Yeah. Such a tight screenplay. I love it so much. So dense. Yeah. So yeah, well, she apologizes. Oh, she's not feeling well, but it's all these elites. So it's really wild, you know, that they're exposed to this kind of crazy event. I was freaking out, but things are happening. Um, yeah, and then 
Let's see. Where do we go from there? I've only seen it. She's once. getting, uh, she's getting sicker and sicker. So Ellen Burson's like, we got to get you checked out. Meanwhile, That's Father right. Karras, we're seeing more of his descent. In particular, his Greek immigrant mother who yes. lives alone is Jimmy, getting sicker and sicker and sicker. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's doing sweet things like putting her to bed, turning the radio over to Greek music and like trying to let her like live. But like time is moving pretty quick in this movie. We don't realize it, but we're kind of getting these big jumps forward yeah. where uh, she is so sick. She, she actually has to be infirmed. So. Well, that's the thing. So he visits her. He's like, we need to put you like in a place where like people can care for you. So I've, she's like, no, I don't want to go. No place. I, I live here. So she's kind of refusing God, take care of me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so eventually he does like get her in a, a home, but then it kind of, you real it, it's not explicitly shown, but she dies pretty much right out, like a little bit after that. So the next scene we see with father Karras, she's, she's already dead and she, he's feeling guilt over the way he kind of um, treated her at the end of her life, I guess. Just, just, mm-hmm. you know, a son's guilt of like, I wish I could Grief do more for my, guilt you know, yeah. you weren't there for her. You yeah. let her die. Blah, 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 blah. You're right. <laughs> Which we'll get there. But we, we also yeah. now we're getting into, okay, we should probably start talking to some psychiatrists or go look at some yes. you know, medical they go help do at the time. A barrage of tests. These doctors think she has some kind of lesion in her brain that's causing these issues, but they can't find it with the imaging. They're like seems to be perfectly normal like we can't find anything wrong they're doing all well, these tests shout out you you said you you shouted out the serial killer change yeah, yeah. The serial killer know that that part. Um, <laughs> yeah. but when she, when she is getting the dye the inserted blood. into her carotid artery yeah. uh, that's going to show up you know the the imaging to find the lesion in her brain mm-hmm. it's an incredible medical sequence the special effect that Dick Smith pulls off. Yes. The blood is the syringe is being inserted. Linda Blair is doing this performance where you can hear her moaning. Friedkin calls it the scariest scene in the film. He said, everybody who watched the movie comes up to me and says that is their least favorite part. Cause obviously medical stuff makes people squirm. Yes. But up to that point, that procedure had never been that intricately shown before. And especially the brain surgery stuff that happens in this film that had yeah. never been on screen before. I mean, it is harrowing how realistic yeah. it looks. And the scene yeah. where yes, she yes. gets the needle in the neck and blood comes out and everything. It is that guy that's needling her. That is the alleged serial killer. Please stop telling us this. And now, now the Iraq cruising guy. (laughs) Well, the newly formed Iraq Film Commission has the same quality blood now, too. (laughs) Right. At this moment in time, Mike, do you think they were like faking stuff? Do you think that was to like kill Saddam and be like, "Oh shit!" But really, he's out there. We need theatrics. That might be a tinfoil, but I do like that we have the same formula now because uh, it looks great in this movie. Um, but it does. as you said, yeah. this medical stuff is some of like the scariest shit to me in this mm-hmm. movie. Like there, like there's an electroshock thing later, and it's like yeah, and there's all these medical is science is. Horrifying. It's so hard to watch, yes. and then you see the horror of the mother having her daughter experience yeah. this stuff. So that's what I mean. Where there's a lot of angles that they're showing what horror can be. One is right. What Reagan's experiencing the mother just having to witness this and get no answers. Yes. And she's kind of, yeah, the mother's like slowly coming undone because all these experts can't figure out what's wrong with her. Yeah. They want to like put her under observation. And she's like, it's just something like there's something wrong with my daughter. daughter." And at this point, it is not just cursing, acting strange. 
Ellen Burstyn is brought into the fact that the bed is shaking, her daughter is levitating, people are screaming out. Furniture is moving. When you're saying Mm -hmm. like the horror of talking to these doctors and observing these things, the fact that a mother, because she is is playing it like she's just so horrified and almost like, look, I know what I'm going to say is crazy, but – I am telling you, the bed was levitating. It's like, yeah. I understand you're running these tests on her, but like something needs to the, be done. And the way yeah. that they treat her is like, like well, you're just an idiot her. woman. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're that's gaslighting exactly her. Like, what it is. It's, yeah. it's psychological. It's, it's like, no, her fucking bed was shaking. Like, that's not psychological. We have like, multiple <laughs> She's eyewitnesses. not having a seizure. Yeah. And they right, try to say, right. well, you know how like a mother, when her you know, child's in danger, has super strength and can lift a car or whatever. It's kind of like that. It's like, no, you yeah. don't understand. <laughs> like, that's is, not what it is. Yeah. So, and that's some of the worst stuff to see that this character just, slowly, yeah. like you said, coming undone is nobody believes her, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you want answers when someone you love is sick and it's fucking yes. scary to think that there might and, not be an answer. That's terrifying. And yeah. you never feel like you're getting proper treatment ever. It is such a yeah. real existential horror that we all will inevitably or have to face it it yeah. sucks it fucking sucks guys sure yeah and i don't want to go out of sequence so let me know but there's the conversation with karas when he, even he's like dog it's it's psychological we we know about mental health now like whatever whoever yeah. fucking told you about exorcism it's a very it's, we don't do that that's not real yeah it's well, a very let's... modern take for especially for 1973 where they're like this priest you think he would be like all for exorcism but he's like trying to find every reason before exorcism like to rule everything out because he's like there's like i don't believe in literal demons possessing people but that's one of the best scenes when she breaks down i'm talking to all these people and they're telling me no you're gonna send me back to those same people i'm like damn yeah movie is nuts yeah yes great stuff here she she he he keeps saying then just let me talk to her and he really rations rationalizes it as i've never done an exorcist i don't know any priests who have ever done an exorcist i'm losing my faith in god let's just talk about this and think about the mind and it does set up this meeting between him and reagan where Mm -hmm. we get the trick played yes he does some experiments and he specifically sprinkles water on her that he says is holy water we get reagan moaning and reacting uh, negatively to this and he yep. comes out and tells ellen burston that he told her it was holy water when in fact it was tap water right this is psychosomatic and Man, this ellen is Burstyn's devastated yeah and i love this because it's just adding more skepticism where it's like okay so why you know this demon why would it react to holy this holy water that's not really yeah. holy water but maybe the demon, you know, works in ways that we can't understand. So it, it by telling it it's holy water, that's what makes it like. Or it's just clever it. enough to give the priest what he wants to see. Like it will yeah. lie to you. It will trick you. It will make you, you know, but even things. Right. Yeah. It's 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 referencing his dead mother. And he's like, did you did, would Reagan have any knowledge of my mother? And, and her mom, mom's like, no, of course not. Yep. So like he's he's second guessing himself now because he's like, well, how does didn't know about my mother but it can't it can't tell my mother's maiden name when when i asked it so he's really trying to get to the bottom of this but it's it's i well, like how it's being duplicitous on purpose is. too like yeah there's yes. an insidious nature to this thing um yeah that i need to watch well, I like, again for the layers and yeah. i, I want to comment on what jacob said about um you know maybe it's just because it was told that it's it's holy water what I love about like vampires and possessions is playing on this currency of faith 
mm-hmm. where it's always like, well, you held up the cross, but like you didn't really believe it. Or like you were saying the prayers, but like you didn't feel it in your heart or whatever, which is such, again, a thing that I think no matter where you are in your faith or spiritual journey, something we can all kind of relate to. And cinematically and thematically and in, in storytelling means it is just so fun and cool to set those stakes up and have that roller coaster ride of when the person does start to say, you know, almost like a magic spell, you know, reading a verse of the Bible and it starts to work. And you as an audience are like, fuck, they do believe when you, you know, just buying into watching a story, you believe right away because you bought a movie called The Exorcist. And you're like, well, shit, there's going to be an exorcism in this movie. Right. Pretty late. But yeah, you start to you start to believe as an audience like yes it just you do the narrative you're like damn it's working let, let, let's keep believing but i like Karis. yeah yes yeah but i like how all the red herrings of like you know she opens a drawer and he's like did you do that and she's like yeah he's like do it again and it can't do it again so it's In like time giving yeah. you the doubt now. yeah and it's, it's like <laughs> it's speaking Latin. the laziest devil no yeah i, can't. I can do it once. stop don't ask me again. But it's almost yeah. kind of like playing with Father Karras, where it's like, I'm going to make this guy think, you know, he's not going to know what to think because I'm going to just mess with him, you know? That's what I mean. That's the most fascinating yeah. part of the, the way we build to like, all right, we're doing the exorcism. It's just how much it's fucking with him. I mean, like speaking in tongues yeah. and he has to do the recording. Pretending to be his mother, which is just driving him insane and stuff. With her yeah. voice. Using yeah. his mother's yes. voice. So we're Timmy. starting to get speaking in tongues Timmy. out of Reagan. Yeah. Timmy. It's, uh, and he has he has you know a dream about his mother, which is a great uh, dream sequence where he sees her like in the subway and he's like trying to reach out to her but can't reach her and stuff. So, now yeah. we it, it does recur, Jacob, that the ghoul figure is the same that the premonition of uh, uh, Leland. Say his name again one more time. <laughs> what is his name? Uh, Lancaster Marin. Lancaster, Father Lancaster Marin. Thank you. How could I possibly keep forgetting that? Lancaster Marino. Now, now are we supposed to believe that that ghoul, is that Pazuzu? I believe so, yes. Okay. How it got from Thunder Rock to... (laughs) It looks like he'd be fighting Adam West Batman. (laughs) Yeah, I've seen it. It's the Phantom. Yes, The Phantom villain. It's not clear how it gets from Iraq to inside of reagan or how it comes to possess reagan no we never um, get an answer on that yeah I, I really like the film for that well, now william blatty was kind of <laughs> upset about that because the book jacob is kind of a, a whodunit and, and mm. a mystery of how did this happen yeah. i would imagine those elements are woven in these in these later sequels yeah um because we don't even get an answer of who puts the gold cross underneath reagan's bed no that's the keeper i guess and then there's the, she if you remember the scenes but... of the desic- the desiccated cross in the church and stuff, which is just barely mentioned in this, but is right, a bigger right. part of the book. like the bloody horns. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So there's a lot more details in the books that they did have to cut out for time and pacing and stuff. But um, like the desecration of these uh, churches and stuff is a bigger part of the books and the bigger part of the whole mystery of it all. You're right. The I just don't thought... think it needs to be a mystery. I don't yeah. know. No, but they do set up what hints that uh, there's something larger here because of the desecration. And they're like, Oh, there's a yeah. murder where a guy's head was turned around on the stairs. The stairs wouldn't do that. So what the hell? Yeah. That's like His a head was thing, completely right? backwards. Yeah. So yeah. They, they kind of, I do like the mystery of, is it 
psychological? Is it science? Or yes, is that's it what it needs truly, you know, and they're constantly pulling you in both directions. Like yeah. One scene will be like, oh, no, no, this is bullshit. And then it's like, well, now she's flying. So, yeah. And I think finally <laughs> the thing that convinces Karis is that she starts speaking in tongues, basically, and he records this and then plays it back later and he realizes it's backwards. So it's, it's English and it's backwards. So he plays it and it's and it's say it's calling Father Marin by name. It has experience with Father Marin back in Iraq. So mm-hmm. um it's like fear the priest Marin, right? Yeah. So Good and stuff. It's almost <laughs> yeah. multiple voices at times. Like yeah. Maybe more than one entity coming in and out. You know, very you know, cool effect. I mean, everything I'm about, is very quick. Spooky. I'm thinking about my parents mm-hmm. having nightmares. And then I'm thinking oh, about sure. me sitting in the audience of Hereditary and a little girl's head getting knocked off. <laughs> it's like, oh, yeah. It's so different now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, um, I'm I mean, sure the, we pass it by point, but there's the scene where, you know, Reagan's rocking forward the crab and back, walk. forward and yeah. back. Oh, yes. That's the crowd with that, where she's just leaning, falling up and down. And I think she heard her back in that scene because they were like, be aggressive. But the visual is fucking crazy. It is. Yeah. And you just feel terrible because it's like, this is just a kid and all this bad shit's happening to him. That's another angle of the horror. It's like, this is just a kid. They don't deserve any of this. So that's yeah. like the other side. It's, She's an it's worse than a zombie, Mike. You kill a zombie because your friend yeah. is gone. You don't kill the possessed. They're, she's they're in still there. in there. Trying yes. to exercise yeah. the demon. She's, yeah, she's being... She yeah, masturbates with a crucifix. Jesus Christ. Jesus. Pretty it's intense. uncomfortable, but it's, it's fucking horrific because it's like the loss of innocence, right? It's fucking nuts yeah. what this movie was willing to do, especially and in that's why, Of course, the Catholic Church would say this movie is blasphemous and all this stuff, but really... It's almost, I mean, it is a very pro-religion movie almost where it's like saying, it's like a pro-God movie. Because pro-faith saying, at least, yeah. Yeah, pro-faith. Oh, um, Friedkin was a Jew for Jesus. He was mm, truly mm. a reformed Jewish man who believed in the power of Christ. And he said specifically, Did he is shooting him? a Jesuit priest mostly rising. When you first see him from the subway, mm. he's walking up the steps. He's mm. walking up the famous stairs. He's going up to meet Reagan. Gosh. And he says at the end, when he regains his faith, he is rising when he falls, yeah. if you take into the yep. fact that his soul is right. rising. So it is, in my opinion, a very pro-spirituality and faith movie. So I don't know. Yeah. I, again, it's just I'm disappointed the word that, devil yeah, is in there. The, yeah. yeah. It's like they don't have the, um, you know, they can't, the, they don't have the nuance, the Catholic Church, no. to be like, okay, this is actually a pro-faith movie. Like, we should support it. But then Friedkin, I think, also said, like, the best thing that could happen to us is the yeah. Catholic Church, like, calling this movie out because it's going to yeah. get more people to go see it. So, honestly, but yeah. you have to be as unsubtle yeah. as Passion of the Christ for, for religious leaders to be like, yes, go see that film. Yeah. Right. That's dumb. Um, yeah. I, um, really, just even with the struggle of Karis and him finding that at the end, you know, you know it's like it's yeah. very explicit. Like if you really think yeah. about it for two seconds, you know. But right, yeah, yeah, they they couldn't see it. But nope. I was thinking, you know, your parents going to see this when they're teens and stuff. Like, geez, if I saw this as a as a kid or as a preteen, you know, I would be traumatized. I was thinking mm-hmm. my experience. This is not a horror movie, but when I saw Titanic in theaters, I was pretty young and mm-hmm. I had nightmares because of the, it was very traumatizing to me to watch these people like dying the and color man. And uh, Leo's friend, the, the smokestack falls on him at one point and I just had nightmares about that. And yeah, I think I was like nine years old. So you were worried somebody was going to draw you. 
Yeah, right. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, I was like, what are they doing in that car when she puts a hand what, on What is this? I don't yeah, yeah, like yeah. it. Anecdote, but my aunt sent me and my cousin to buy snacks. They had a lead on that scene, and they tricked us into buying more snacks. Oh, clever. I didn't see it until wow. VHS. Um, no, it was a, it was a big deal for me to go... Um, yeah. see that with my parents it was like the first pg-13 movie i was allowed to go see and there sure. was that of course full nudity scene where my mom's right. like put her hands over my eyes and stuff so i just don't think i had interest i think we just rented it mm. fair enough <laughs> james cameron's very upset with you um <laughs> yeah <fair laughs> you know but, but this this is not I was that age too podcast. no I, already i think it's really effective it's it's not jump scare it's like underneath the surface like there's a tension yeah. to this that and the really, noises really that she's making is just like so ominous and spooky and like just the, oh, the human and, and, yeah yeah and you you did shout out that uh jacob it um won best sound because of course that's yes. astounding. but real quick the soundtrack tubular bells which is this yes. album by this guy named michael oldman who friedkin friedkin basically pioneered mm, interesting music being in films i know that's a dumb thing to say because obviously like the graduate and simon and garfunkel and stuff but like rock bands he had tangerine dream a european rock band Mm. score his films so he was always on the lookout for interesting sounds he gets Mm. this album tubular bells which is the sound of like john carpenter's halloween synthesizer. i was wondering like it yeah, sets like, yeah. the tone jake i was wondering that sound in horror movies mm-hmm. john carpenter was in, probably inspired by this song a hundred percent i could make that yeah. not yeah. get sued yeah right <laughs> i'll play it kind of off beat quicker and you're like yeah. oh yeah great <laughs> very cool yeah. um yeah now we have david gordon green reusing this you know music cue just like he just like in halloween so yeah for some reason he's remaking all these legacy horror franchises yeah it's weird what it's, it's gonna be like it's like yeah. only in like one scene when the mother yeah walking. it's just when yeah. she's walking it's not featured heavily but it was in i guess no yeah. no and um osmosis well, though we're about to get it but let's let's talk about basically the iconic shot so we're yeah. asking for help here Father Leland is is the person they recommend. He was on the tape anyway. So let's Mayor. get a senior in here. Lancaster Mayor. Father, <laughs> I keep calling him Leland. Father Fine. Lancaster. I was trying to do the first thing. <laughs> Father Lancaster Marin uh, yes. comes in, and we, of course, Marin. get the shot of him getting out of the car. Now The famous shot, yes. It's almost like like a Gregory Crudson photograph. If you're familiar with the, the photographer who does the medium format with these incredible plays of like darkness with, with one light, right? Mm, we get mm, this brilliant silhouette brutal. of the man. Yes. The smoke in the frame of the house, the, the smoke. I mean, it's almost like reverse of the famous searcher silhouette. Like mm. it's not that the, he's got so much light and life ahead of him. It's truly that it's like, he is facing down evil and darkness. This yeah. is, I mean, we talked about famous iconography from this film. This is the poster. This yeah. is the shot that is often parodied. The DVD this cover. This is yeah. the moment. This is the DVD cover I own. It says the version you've never seen right above this. It's very strange. An yeah. old man getting out of a think? taxi. I mean, yeah. this is one of the most beautiful images ever set to celluloid, in my opinion. Mike, first time seeing her. I, you were obviously familiar with it. I knew what right? it was, but to see it finally in the yeah. cut, you know, I'm like, like this is this is something different than just a horror movie. Like it is cinema. This is cinema. It's, yeah, it's wild and like it's shots like that. You know that, prove which it. is yeah, 
wild because at the time, again, this was considered like crass exploitation by a lot of people. Like this is what, you know, slasher grindhouse stuff to us would be like the fact mm-hmm. that it got, it, it did get some praise after it came out and got nominated for stuff. But there's a lot of reaction, like serious movie critics and stuff would say like, this is like the worst picture I've seen in years. Like this is That's garbage. Insane. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And when like, you listen to Friedkin and like like earlier, the, the shot of the two priests in the bar where the older priest who's listening to him, who's like the president of the Georgetown priest, has like that silhouette. He's like also in total darkness with that great framing. Like like Friedkin's like, well, my interest was, of course, like Monet paintings. I wanted to like recreate. And you're like, this guy is an artist. Like this is not trash. It is like yeah. Hitchcock doing pulpy thrillers or, you know, like the bottom of the barrel. Like the artistry that goes into doing this stuff is stupendous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a beautifully shot film. It's, I mean, again, yeah, that shot classic. And it's funny because um, if you hadn't seen the movie and just saw that shot on the, on the poster and everything, you would think that father Marin is like the main character. He's the, you exorcist think the that whole, comes movie in. I always, the yeah. Exorcist. yeah. Right. I basically yes. thought the whole movie was going to be an exorcism. Yes. yes. Yeah. I'm glad that it wasn't because it was, it surprised so no. me. Yeah, yeah, it's different than what you would expect just through cultural osmosis and stuff. Absolutely. Even though you know, I've seen in a billion other actors and movies in the, you know, years since. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, you share the scary movie parody. You know, I've se- I'd seen all that before right. I'd ever seen this. And I have, again, my Easter egg at the end of the episode. Stay tuned, Normies, for my favorite reference oh, to The Exorcist. Um, I love it, Mike. Yeah. And this is it. We get what now is the exorcism of the film. Father, the last half hour. Uh, Aaron comes in. Yeah, he gets kind of caught up. Now. And we're just, these yes, are our guys. Yes. Yeah. This is when yes. it gets really wild. And I think this yes. last half hour is incredible. I mean, the it's effects, paced so well. Yeah. The acting yeah. with Max von Sydow, Jason Miller, just like killing it. And like the demon taunting Father Karras about his mother. And he just finally like breaks down. Like, you're not my mother. Like just losing it. And then, yep. of course, sacrificing himself at the end. Yeah. The pea now, soup. Yeah. As a young man, I would get so and we'll talk about the piece of it in a second. I yes. would get so upset anytime you watch the other priest quote unquote react because this is a trope that of course will be carried over in every possession film going forward. Now when I'm watching it, I'm always like, Yeah, fuck you, <laughs> Like I would immediately give it and be like, You're not my mom, you stupid fucking idiot. I'd start yeah. cursing him out immediately. But then it's the crisis of faith where he's like I, Doesn't I matter, think she's Mike. in heaven, but I, I you know, I mean, it's so effective with Karis and where he's at. Yes, his arc, yeah, right? it preys yeah. on your. It only on works in this movie. Well, we get the incredible setup. The first words Max von Sydow says when he walks through of it will deceive it, everything. You. It is the, yeah. it is a deceiver. Everything it says is lies, but it will use the truth to play on its lies. And you're yeah, like, oh that. fucking shit! God yeah. damn. So you really have to have a strong. You have to have a strong sense of faith, a strong kind of moral character to stand up to this thing and not be tricked or, you know, swayed or discouraged from your faith. Yeah. Uh, Drawn astray from the flock, as it were, you know? Yeah. Um, And that's like when it really hits you how serious this thing is. And like, again, I I don't know when we're going to get to the pea soup, but like when you see these kind of things and he's trying to go through and do the exorcism and he just has to kind of let it roll off his shoulder. He just kind of takes his glasses off and just continues. Like he's trying to not let it get to him. Like, it's like, this is incredible. What's happening. Right yeah. Now. React. It's kind I mean, of a metaphor for having a little kid. 
Oh, it's man. Like, don't, don't get worked up. Just, you know, don't. Right. Just you know what? Maintain. I'm going to try to egg you on. It's a parenting um, metaphor. Yeah. It really is. Right. It is kind of, it's like a naughty child that has to be disciplined. Like, no, nope, you were going to bed. It's actually bedtime. Yeah. Well, your mom six cocks it out. No, I am your mom. And, and you, we don't say that bedtime. in the house. Yes. It's, <laughs> and we done about, like we mentioned the, the masturbation with the crucifix scene. Mm-hmm. Um, very shocking. The head spinning around scene, oh which my God. at the time was like a very sophisticated thing with the whole model they built of Reagan, uh, you know, in a sitting up position, the head spins around. I mean, that that had to be incredible to see for the first yeah. time. Spider Man too. We've said it a couple of times, but yeah, be understated. The shit's crazy. And just a shit um, flying around the room. Everything in this movie is practical. Yeah, the bed yes. lifting up. I mean. Now, crazy. in this essence, we get the yeah. freezer as well now, right? The the They're doing this effect where they use four air conditioners just pumping, pumping cold air yes. into the tiny rim they're shooting in uh, yes. in order to just get all the visible breath on on screen. And by yeah. the way, part of the part of the curse of this movie is that I believe Linda Blair did have ongoing health problems due to shooting in this cold environment in just a nightgown for so long. Yeah, so, I believe, uh, yeah, she was yeah. only given long underwear and a nightgown. Meanwhile, yeah. freaking head on like a full ski suit and parka on top. He's got that bed, NFL so. jacket that goes over yeah, your pads. Jesus, on top right. you motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Firing a gun. Can you imagine you just sitting there like, I just hope he doesn't hit me today. He just <laughs> grabs like, one window oh, and keeps Jesus. his hand out at random intervals. Yeah. Fires. Yeah. Um, like, but the oh, cold stop. effect. Yeah, that when I saw that happening, I'm like, this thing is incredible. This, this movie is it's so rated. It might not be to modern audiences the scary horror ever, but man, these no. effects again, the pacing. I was so in on this this final. Yeah, well, I do want to talk about you know, is this a scary movie to you? Because right. I don't think you know, is it a scary movie compared to modern horror movies? Maybe it's not the scariest movie in the world, but it's just such a good movie that it doesn't even matter. Like it's creepy, it's ominous, and there's some really shocking scenes. I wouldn't say it's like jump out of your seat scary most of the time. No, and grappling with the content, Jacob, I'm not at a place in my faith or spirituality where I certainly believe in the devil or really even any kind of evil supernatural forces. Uh, And we've talked a lot about the pacing, a little slower than kind of modern horror movies as well. But yeah. I, I would call this a scary film because it certainly challenges norms and, and makes you um, hyper aware of, of bad imagery and things like yeah. that. I yeah, mean, I'm not a good. Sorry, I'm uh, you know not a religious person necessarily. So a lot of religious horror like exorcisms, demons, hell, the devil doesn't always do it for me because I just don't believe in that kind of thing so i just it's not really scary to me in a fictional sense but when it's done well then it can be scary yeah yeah and i kind of think you know i don't believe in werewolves either but some of those movies are scary (laughs) but you look at i I look at it in metaphor you know the metaphor of not knowing how to cure your child the metaphor of a crisis of faith and being challenged by very real negative things that are pushing you further down into the dark like that stuff is scary you know absolutely and You know, in recent years, we've had this trend of so-called prestige horror, you know, your hereditaries, your uh, midsommers, your vaviches, which are all very slower kind of paced, slow burn kind of movies like this. So it's really not a new phenomenon. You know, the prestige horror really goes back to movies like this. So 
yeah there's yeah. nothing really new under the sun so what are you gonna still do? an audience for it what do we think of the the, the climax here though because some shit incredible down yeah you know? it is it is again so much quicker than i remember it occurring like really when the exorcism started i was like okay buckle in and then yeah, I kind of got to the, last the bathroom and I came back and I was like, wait, wait, hold on. Did I miss it? Yep. I rewound that. I was like, oh, he did. He's already been like, he's already fallen. Shit. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. The really insane stuff is about the last 20 minutes of the film. Obviously, Father Marin comes. They do the exorcism. Uh, Karis has to leave the room at one point because he's can't handle it. And then he realizes, like, I know what I need to do. Well, he comes back in. Marin is like dying or something or he's having a heart attack yeah yeah um and he's like i know what i need to do i need to get it i need to have it pass into me and then sacrifice myself to get this thing out of this young innocent girl um and that's like his ultimate sacrifice after all the guilt that he's felt over his mother and all this stuff his crisis of faith he realizes like this is the one good thing i can do with my life and sacrifice myself for for this person so but he reaches this breaking point where he's throwing hands you know yeah. on this demon girl like it's the body of the girl and he's just punching her in the face you it's know a boxer demon. mike yeah he's yeah. a boxer bro that's a knockout <laughs> punch you know it, it, no, damn it all does come full circle but he eventually gets the demon to enter him and yeah when he finally you know ascends and makes that sacrifice it was like man what a movie I, I, yeah I think it's the effects I, look really cool on him yep yep absolutely kind of transitions there for a second uh little wavering and then out the window we go um yeah i love the shot where it's like the demon face superimposed over linda blair for like a split second and stuff yes really cool really cool stuff there yeah and just prior to this there's that scene where um marin and karis are just sitting on the stairs in silence like after they kind of first getting into it tired yeah exhausted from what they've been doing yeah there's just so much like gravity and i guess there's a conversation there in the longer cut or you know yeah that's another scene i guess they they had to cut um yeah i would have liked to have a conversation mine that we're in the book sitting in silence the studio wanted to cut yeah you know they're talking about more like why why would it choose reagan to possess and that kind of thing Hmm. and why it's not working specifically uh Mm. did they have anything illuminating to say there is it just more like fuck fuck if i know he's just kind of pushing father karis to really have more faith well fair enough so now sitting there and having karis arrive at that on his own works too i think both cuts are fine yeah yeah that's good yeah yeah i was amazed when this thing wrapped up though exorcist so the demon goes into him he jumps out the window falls down the stairs dies gets his last right pervert priest Red. whispers in his ears hey yep. tell me all the bad stuff you did real quick before you go to heaven <laughs> yeah, yeah. get away from me Give me the juice what do you what do you got um and then we see a little bit of an epilogue with uh you know reagan being back to normal and uh that's kind of the end of the movie right yeah, yeah yeah they're leaving town i guess the movie's over so just like all right you really do never see the detective again in your guy's version huh nope nope no it's weird. like i think maybe right at the end but there's a longer scene where he talks to the pre the other priest yeah. and they form kind of a friendship that would have been a good bookend, I think for this movie. Cause we get the scene where the police detective goes and investigates the mother and it's like, what's going on here and stuff. I have an autograph. Yeah, then he kind of just exits the movie. Right. So, yeah, I do like the asking for an autograph too, though. Cause she has, like, yeah, I'm in crisis, but I know right. that I'm also famous and I'm trying to be cordial, but like you could tell it's like, 
this is not professional policeman. And he's, uh, yeah. And that was kind of foreshadowed because his whole thing is that he like likes movies. Cause when he's talking to Karis, he's like, he like, said, you know, we can go see a movie. Does he, does he <laughs> oh, say at some point, yeah. I always, I always get these yeah. tickets and my wife never <laughs> wants to go. So if you and I just saw a movie or something. Right. Right. Oh man. See that, that would have made sense. Okay. Yeah. I'm going to have yeah. to watch the longer cut. Um, or at least the scenes that I missed. I think that would definitely yeah. be a worthwhile. Yeah. Uh, no, I definitely goes to yeah, a movie with watched the other priest at the end. Yeah, that's right. That's right. that scene. He, he they that's go to a movie. So. It is what it is. But um, that's yeah. the movie. Maybe um, yes, we exercise our final thoughts on the other side of this. Uh, let me jump Let's out do this it. window and ah. we'll see you over there. Ah. Ah. <laughs> ah. <laughs> oh, jeez. We're back here on Normies Like Us. We're again, we're talking to The Exorcist. We're wrapping it up. We're going to give our final thoughts while we're doing our first Spooktober episode of The season we love. We're going to have a ton of spooky content for you this season. We got a bunch of good episodes. I'm five weeks in October this year. So, five Spooktober episodes. I think you've promised to watch every other piece of Exorcist content, Jacob. I think that's. I don't know about it. Right now to say everything (laughs) Exorcist related. Yeah, you're gonna Hellraiser. You can make it through Exorcist. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see how far I get. There's not too many sequels. So, it's, it's. it's more doable, but I could mm. briefly mention that I did I did watch The Exorcist two the also Heretic on Max, right? after this. The yes. Heretic. Okay. Now this movie, nineteen seventy seven, four years after, directed by John Borman, uh, kind of a hit or miss director who, in the mid seventies, yeah, only hit going going kind of wild with it. Experimental you know, Zardoz, director. Yeah. Yes. Mm. Um interesting guy but but had some really interesting ideas about this movie but it is it is a wild movie and it's really about that whole metaphysical connection between science and spiritual faith where you have this priest character played by richard burton who's an exorcist specialist kind of guy like father Marin. then you have a psychiatrist who's a very scientific base so basically the father Karras split into two characters in this hmm. um ellen burson is not coming back in this one but Linda Blair does as a 16 year old teen now who is kind of being looked at by this psychiatrist and this priest because turns out they didn't fully get the demon out of her Pazuzu. So she's still got some remnants of Pazuzu inside of her. There's this whole, they have to do hypnotize. They have to hypnotize her to figure out what's going on. Um, and it goes into, he was cutting edge at the time. Yes. Yes. (laughs) And, it's really interesting. There's a lot of flashbacks starring Max von Sydow as a young Father Marin, the origins of Pazuzu. James Earl Jones is in it. He's like the first person possessed by Pazuzu in Africa. Um, mm. So it goes all into oh, that I backstory. Don't like the sound of it. I've seen it's this. Wild. I remember this is yeah. Jacob- so much Hellraiser 3, by the way. Just do the origin <laughs> with a younger guy right. who found the bad thing anyway. But the weird thing about this is that it basically says that. Reagan was chosen by Pazuzu because it focuses on people that have like this spiritual psychic ability to fight evil. Yes. The shine basically she, so she 
uh, at one point talks to this autistic girl who is nonverbal and gets her to speak using kind of the, her psychic powers and stuff. So it's like Pazuzu targets these people like James Earl Jones as well, specifically because they have this special ability. It's all insane, but um, Jeez, it's okay. an interesting movie. Yeah. <laughs> interesting. Pazuzu versus Jack Torrance. So that was 77. Yes. Then in 90, 1990, they made uh, Exorcist 3, which was written and directed by uh, William Blatty, who obviously was the original author of the book and wrote the screenplay of this movie. Um, so he wrote and directed this one based on his sequel novel called Legion, uh, which is a sequel to the Exorcist novel. Um, and this Has is a novelist ever directed one of their books before. <laughs> I don't know. That's a good question. That's a very or in general, just in general, <laughs> Michael Crichton did Westworld, but I don't think that was. Oh, book. true. Oh, true. No, that's Mike. That's totally Michael that Crichton was a director. That is totally of the same weird caliber that William Blatty was. That, yeah, that's right. a great yeah, poll. Go. <laughs> um, author that I read. Right. Coma. He also did the movie, the TV movie Coma, based oh, on one of nice. his books. <laughs> the Andromeda Strain is a good slow burn, but he didn't direct it anyway. Yeah. yeah. I think he maybe wrote it though. Oh yeah, he wrote it. The screenplay. And the book. um. But yeah, but Exorcist 3 uh, starring George C. Scott. Also, Jason Miller comes back for this one somehow. Um, I thought, you know, Damian Karras died, but apparently comes back. I haven't seen this one yet, so I'm, I'm excited to check that out. And then I just wanted to mention also in 2004, there was a prequel made, but there was actually two versions of this movie made. Um, okay. They wanted to make a prequel. John Frankenheimer, another old director from the 60s and 70s, was going to direct it. Um, had a lot of health issues and ended up dying like a month later. So he had to pull out Paul Schrader signed on. Yeah. Paul Schrader, who is a mainly a screenwriter, sometimes director worked with Scorsese a lot. Um, made this movie called, called dominion prequel to the exorcist. Hmm. He made this cut starring Stellan Skarsgård as father Marin. Um, Hmm. The studio oh, like hated his it. first dig or something. Yeah, I think so. Huh. It's a prequel, so he's playing a younger version of the character in you know 2004. Um, and but yeah, he so I guess they're like, let's get another Swedish guy to play Max von Sydow. Let's get Stellan right. Skarsgård. Um, we but alluded to he the made... mystery behind the Marin character. Like, is he Indiana yeah. Jones and a priest? Like, there is something there. I don't know if I would want to see it, but there's something more. And you see some of that about. in. Exorcist 2 as well, right. where Von Sydow comes back in only the flashbacks to play a younger version of the character. With no makeup um, or less makeup. And yeah. And this movie, so he made it in 2004. The studio hated the cut that Paul Schrader made. It was too slow, too weird. They didn't like it. So they hired another director, Rennie Harlan, to recut it, reshoot a it bunch of sick. stuff. Hmm. Yes. Um, nice. And they released that, and that was called Exorcist The Beginning in 2004 and then Paul Schrader still released his cut in 2005. So there's basically Jeez. two versions of a wow. prequel starring Stellan Skarsgård uh, mm, with some similar scenes. <laughs> but they cut it into a much more conventional horror. Right. Um and that was the last one before David Gordon Green with these two new ones right. Exorcist so Believer and Exorcist Deceiver coming out the week. Before we give our final this. thoughts. Yeah. Let's say yes, it's coming out the weekend this releases. They fluctuate some time around so we had to shift when we were doing this so we're not covering it when we're covering this Exorcist content. No, we have not seen it. It comes out in 3 yeah, days right. from when you're listening to this normies. Yes. So but spectacular 
we'll talk it. Watch this. Yeah. yeah. If you do, please. Um, but opinion, guys. I, I've seen the trailer. I'm sure you guys have as well. Are you mm. excited for Exorcist Believer? And then, of course, there will be a follow-up sequel. Yes. Already mm. announced. It's Look, I've kind of made clear how I felt called. about these, you know, David Gordon Green's Halloween trilogy. Um, mixed bag for me. This trailer didn't i don't know it doesn't look great to me uh you ended up i can't remember from our coverage you ended up not liking any of david gordon green's right his whole trilogy the first movie wasn't terrible Mm. it's really i'm trying to remember yeah the first i liked halloween what's the first one called just halloween halloween Halloween. Halloween kills halloween ends yeah I want to. Oh wait, what happened in Halloween Kills? I can't even. Kills is like the action. <laughs> Evil dies That's tonight. him on the run. Evil right. dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. People like yeah. He, Michael Myers fist fights eight people in a circle, and <laughs> That's right. he murders that like fifteen firefighters. <laughs> yeah. Yes. That's yes. That. that's the one where they trap I him in the that. house. <laughs> yeah. It has the highest body count in any yes. Halloween movie. I think that's I like the first and one. Okay. Mike likes ends. Which Halloween one? ends? Yeah. I did not like. Do not I like, like Corey Cunningham. Get the fuck <laughs> out of here. <laughs> uh, but you like you're the, not uh, Michael Myers. I mean, Jacob, you're you're famously you know a fan of the critically acclaimed Rob Zombie ones. So you know, of course. Well, I, I prefer him to David Gordon Green. Um, I mean, I just think David Gordon Green interesting career. I mean, he's. He went from indie dramas to stoner comedies to making sequels to famous horror movies for some reason. Um, just a really wild, all over the place kind of And career. just cash and checks on HBO Danny McBride shows. Yeah, well, he loves working with Danny McBride. And some of those shows, you know, Eastbound and Down, um, the... What's the uh, the, the Preacher's one? Righteous yeah. Gemstones. Righteous I watch Gemstones. them all. Yeah, mm, okay. they're fun. Um, he's got it in, in Danny McBride did co-write some of those Halloween movies. I'm pretty sure as well. That's I think all right. three. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So hey, interesting you know. guy, but not a huge fan of his Halloweens. We'll have to see about Exorcist Believer. I the trailers do not get me excited. Have, have you no. even seen one, Mike? So I saw the trailers uh, a couple, like a month or so ago for something. The body else, in the but, blood. Um, the body yeah. in the blood. Body in the blood. Seen, body in the blood. I'd never seen this. Um, sure. Original mm-hmm. movies. So you had so no frame like, of reference. No, but I heard tubular bells, and I'm like, oh, okay, shit flying around, people getting possessed. I'm like, okay, we have two victims now. We're in a hospital. So now that I've seen this, I'm like, okay, we are repeating some similar beats of like there's a hospital. It's just and, you know, and it's just repeating the formula of his Halloween's, where it's like we'll get that iconic song in there again. We'll have the Jamie Lee Curtis, aka Ellen Burstyn, come back as right. the old lady who's experienced this before, and it's just like. Like, why well, hold on, but Jacob, it. modern audiences, they're not going to be scared of a possessed little girl, but they'll be scared of two, two possessed <laughs> little girls. Yeah. So we'll see. We'll see. I, I'll probably watch this. You know, we'll watch this and talk it on the spooktacular at the end yeah. of which is, I believe, coming yes. out on Halloween. Uh, Halloween yes. Day. Awesome. Uh, awesome. So look awesome. forward to wow. that based on a record schedule. Yeah. yeah. Halloween Day that drops. So, um. It's called Exorcist Believer. I'll check it out. We'll see. Thanks to the Alamo Pass, it'll cost me a dollar. But the second yeah. one is called Deceiver. I don't like yeah. that. and Deceiver. Yeah, I, don't, I don't like that. I don't, that's why would you possibly need Jacob. two movies anyways? Like, <laughs> yeah. Who knows? 
If the first Jason one could have been Blum done in one Jason Blum said movie. it's the, the biggest gamble that Blumhouse has ever taken because they really oh. pulled out a lot of capital to buy the rights to continue on this saga in a way that they didn't have to. Before, like with Halloween, they have more of an agreement to profit share. This is them right. trying to take more profit but paying more in for the property. And it, I, they moved because of the Taylor Swift film. It doesn't seem like a lot of people are going to theaters right now. I don't think it's set up to earn a lot of money at all, unfortunately. Yeah, so. and I don't know if it has the same kind of cultural impact of Halloween where it's like people, you know, there's been so many Halloween sequels. People love to go see Michael Myers stab some people. I don't know if yeah. The Exorcist has the same pull or an Exorcist sequel will have the same You pull. have to play off the legacy of the original. Like even bad yeah. Friday the 13s, people kind of enjoy or You know what I mean? But you don't right. have that. Yeah. I don't think many people are enjoying these, but I haven't seen them, so I don't speak for everybody. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's we'll been see. less sequels than like some of these slasher fans. There's only mm. been really three, 77, 90, and 2004 slash 2005. So not e- like once every decade or so, really. When one of yeah. your films is two films. That I, that happened for Halloween, too. Remember we the six, and then it was like the six, the producers cut. Oh, sure. Oh, geez, uh, yeah. Paul Rudd's. Hell yeah. 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 With a metal pipe. That's It worked for Khan. It works on Michael Myers. <laughs> if you have a superhuman, metal pipe, okay? That's right. Um, That's right, Mike. But when you're dealing with a demon, there's some different approaches. Generally, it's the power of Christ. But I want to talk to you about my favorite reference to The Exorcist ever. Okay. Please. So I grew up watching, if you have Disney, now you have access to this. But uh, the Dinosaurs TV show, you know, Jim Henson and crew. Oh, sure. Your favorite. Season four, episode six. Uh, Terrible Twos is the title of that episode. And that entire episode, that episode is a parody of The Exorcist. Like we said, it's wow. like having a child. We're taking care of a child. He won't go to bed. And there's a scene when the priest you know, uh, equals come in and they're trying to get him to eat his dinner. And they're like, the power of rice compels you. And I will never forget that scene. Like the power of rice compels you. And uh, anyway, check out that episode. If you want a really weird, it's like, there's like a little dinosaur that that gets possessed by a demon. Is that what you're telling me? Baby Sinclair. He just has in his terrible twos and they have to survive until his third birthday at midnight. And then he'll be a normal spits up on them. He does. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Wow. It's, shit's flying yeah. around his room, but the power of rice is what compelled them. So anyway. Um, the It was done pretty recently. Jonah Hill gets possessed and that this is the end. Do you remember that? That's and right. They, complete, yes. they play the tubular bell score. They do mm-hmm. the whole sequence, the pea soup, right? Yeah. Danny McBride, also in that movie. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> That's the connection. That's where he got the idea. He said, David, we got to <laughs> buy this. Uh, Jacob, you said up top, um, the thing that probably... I saw way, way before I saw this was the scary movie two parody starring James Mm -hmm. Woods, who it does suck to say, I think is a brilliant actor and he is very good in this rotten hell. I think you're a piece (laughs) of shit. Um, I've maybe said it to you guys before. I hate blue humor, like shit and farts and stuff like that, but was raised by two people, my brother and my father who think it is the greatest thing on the planet. And the only times I was really worried that my father was truly going to die was when I thought he was going to have a heart attack watching this scene in Scary Movie 2 where James Woods pretends to bless the house and instead takes a huge shit. Yeah. Um, really gross. I, like, 
my brother and my father love that scene so goddamn much. It makes me laugh. Like thinking, yeah, I love it yeah. because they love it so much. But it's always oh, had the Exorcist in my bones more than even maybe the movie. Right. I definitely <laughs> saw that scene before I ever saw way before the Exorcist. And scary movie. It's interesting because like the first couple are pretty funny and like good They're great. movies. The yeah. Marlon Wayans ones the Wayans are Brothers. great. Mm-hmm. The yeah. two, the one and, two, one and two, I think are great. And you sent those scenes mm-hmm. and I was watching, I was like, this is so like, they legit like did the whole like ending the of the Andy's, movie. Andy Richter plays Andy Richter the as father playing, type. but he plays yeah. also the goofy priest playing the piano. They do a right. funny rap. She comes down and pees for too long. They are picking the moments in the film where I'm like, yes, that is what you should be parroting. This is great. Right, right. Yeah. I will say, yeah, it was really gross, like some of the stuff. It is. It's so gross. I was like, this is disgusting. Like, I hate this, but it's also funny. (laughs) I hate it. I did um, rewatch the Red Letter Media review of this just because, yeah, what do they think? What what do some guys in Wisconsin think? You know, I I check out stuff. But they talked about Repossessed with Leslie Nielsen. Never saw it. Yes. But there's Mm. a this Love pea soup time. thing and then he does it back to her he's like how do you like it i'm like that's that's very good and mike am i wrong is linda blair the lead of that film it's is got it linda her blair. and leslie neeson yep and mm. Ned she, the whole Fitty. movie is just a parody of the exorcist she's literally jacob she's that's great yeah. she's not of course a good actress uh, what a life doing it again had, yeah it's our our favorite um poker face in uh scary movie too right what's her name natasha leone yeah natasha yeah. leone Shout As the, the Linda Blair card. character. Yeah. Incredible. A young, right. a young. Back in the day. Natasha Leon. Yeah. But I was a cheerleader. Yeah. 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 Cheers in that. Yep. Yep. I'm a cheerleader. Great movie. Well, classic. Uh, what are we thinking? Yes. Final thoughts, oh, you know? Great. Yeah. Again, I picked this one uh, mainly because of Friedkin. R.I.P. God bless the guy. All the stuff we said about him, uh, not... Um, not influencing my opinion on him. It, it should obviously again, but uh, I just think he was such an interesting artist. Now I said the born again, um, mm. J- Jesus Christ for Jew for Jesus stuff. Um, he was a guy who kind of had no faith during the making of this movie, but found faith so later in life. He of course made a documentary about exorcisms starring the most famous exorcist of all time. And that man would go on to be the basis of the film released this year, the Pope's exorcist starring Russell. Ah, Crowe, Russell plays that character. I, I, I recommend to watch that movie. Yes. I don't yeah. love a lot of exorcist films, but shout out to listener Manette and and I believe Matt as well. Uh, hmm. Both recommended this film to me, and I've recommended it to multiple people since I've watched it who have said, yes. "Colin, that was a great recommendation." <laughs> I, I clarify adore that film. Is yes. this a documentary or the Pope's Exorcist? The Pope's this Exorcist. This is the Pope's Exorcist, starring oh, Russell Crowe. Yeah. Great, this great, has great. been on my radar ever since I saw those pics of Russell Crowe. Zooming around Italy on a little scooter, wearing his pope, his his like he's so big. father's outfit, and mm-hmm. just with a beard and everything, looking great, just having the it's having the time so, of his it life. It is, and right. I mean, it is. It's a, almost a parody. Of this film. He's the old priest. There's a young priest. They got to do all the same stuff. It's a child that's possessed. But it 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 really it it doesn't go the way you think it would. It's mm. not tropey. It's not stereotypical in my okay. opinion. I, I really enjoyed it. Listeners. I and think that, you will too. Shout out if that's on a streaming service or what, I believe I it's on Netflix that. right now. 
Netflix. That's been on my radar for a while, so I need to watch that. And spooky season, great time for that. So I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be trying to do thirty, you know, thirty-one days of Spooktober or whatever it is. And um, fucking yeah, Halloween. See how many days of Halloween Halloween. for Spooktober. Did it last year. Well, hopefully, I can do it this year and watch thirty-one movies in thirty-one days. Um, And uh, yeah, I guess a hint for next week. Maybe we'll be covering a specific day of the week. Oh (laughs) yeah. Yeah, it could be Wednesday. Oh wait, never mind. <laughs> That's right, yeah, Wednesday that Adams. This year, our I favorite show. Yeah, <laughs> spooky Wednesday. Yeah, um, but yeah, I do enjoy how we're kind of going. You know, like last year, we, I think we did Texas Chainsaw seventy seven. That's like one of my favorite things. We're kind of stepping back. You know, who knows? Maybe it'll be a look at Psycho next year or something. You know, but we are kind yeah. of uncovering kind of the origins of these trends that would emerge in horror by looking at some of the progenitors and originators of like that genre that stuff you know and as far as exorcisms go this is definitely the best one i've ever seen i remember liking the exorcism of emily rose but i've only mm. seen it once so i'm not sure if it holds yeah. up <laughs> yeah but yeah it does like the, is say, it medical is it supernatural bit in that yeah too. it definitely yeah. does yeah previously in my life generally i feel like exorcism movies fall into the same category for me as like haunted house type movies where the house is possessed and a lot of those movies, I just kind of, they don't do it for me a lot of the time. Like so all the Amity them. spinoffs. It's like, whoa. Yeah, guys, Amity Horror. Chill. Yeah. yeah. Um, one good they're one all based on a true story, right? Yeah. Um, so yeah. Exorcism of Emily Rose, I know what that is. I've never seen it. Um, a lot of these Scott newer, Derrickson, director of Doctor Strange. And, right. one, and a bad Hellraiser sequel. Yes, yeah, that's right. Um but I'm excited for Spooktober. I'm excited to watch some spooky movies with you guys. And, uh, you know, I'm here for it. Mike is, is making me think. Right? Oh, 100%. Yeah, but easy. Mike, as you say, you're you're oh, making yeah. me think we should do The Shining next year. To keep oh, doing, like, the, the best picture horror movies as and we I have sort a great, of, like, knocked these out. That's a great Yeah, idea. and I have a great story I can tell regarding The Shining because I visited the location not the location no. it was shot on but the the inspired hotel it. that inspired stephen king to write the novel What's in the colorado uh the when the movie is called the overlook hotel i'm forgetting what right, the name right, right. of the actual place is it's in colorado i visited there well I and jacob theater. they hired yeah. you to work colorado there in the winter Stanley to keep hotel. the boiler burning right isn't that that's right, right. <laughs> yes i've been typing on my typewriter things <laughs> seem to be going fine all uh, jacobs are good boys <laughs> My favorite remake of The Shining was Zach Bagans going to the Stanley Hotel and Ghost Adventures and getting home. Mm. <laughs> the Stanley Hotel is that? That's what it is. I that's have what not it is. watched I just that up. one. <laughs> yeah, of wow. course they go. So, Has Zach Bagans here? ever I'll punch to you. Georgetown? He needs to go to the steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Watch where you. And I did take zoo, like zoo. the haunted tour. Are you here? <laughs> I'll punch yeah. you. Before they took us into the uh, basement. Alone. <laughs> Are you? I did do. Sorry. I did do the haunted tour there, and they took us into the basement. And we're like, this is where like the little ghost children are, blah, blah, blah. And it was very scary. So if we do wow. Shining next year, maybe I'll talk about that. We I should do that. that we should put that on the books. That's, That's a great. Yeah. Yep. But yeah, we'll be going uh, through it. I uh, Yeah. I love this as a first time viewer. Thanks, Colin, for recommending it. Um, very, very good stuff. Yeah. I'll just say Happy we've got Spooktober. some. Happy Spooktober. We've got some classic franchises, I'll say, coming up. So take a guess what that could mean. And we'll see you next week, right, Normies? Yeah, we yeah. might even be going international. Who knows? But yeah. Stay tuned to find out. We've got all, all your 
favorites here. Uh, and of course, our guest host, what's his name? Mr. Bojangles has been with us the whole time. What's his name? Captain yeah, Howdy. Yeah. Captain, Captain Howdy. Howdy. <laughs> now, Mr. Captain Bojangles Kangaroo, yeah. is close. Admit it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Captain yeah. Howdy's here too. Uh, listeners, oh, yeah. he he wishes you all a good night. And he says um, that, you know, your mother suck cocks in hell. So. Yeah. He said, I'll be seeing you in your dreams and other That's ominous right. things like that. So mm-hmm. good luck going to sleep tonight. Mama. Ones. Mama, no, it's a me. Timmy. Timmy. Timmy, my son. Timmy, your boy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we All didn't right. talk about that, like, sleazy uncle who's like, hey, I don't know, you're like a bad son because you're like a priest. You ain't got no money. <laughs> right. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's great. <laughs> great. That's great. Yeah. That's uh, great. Anyways, great thank movie. you so much, Normies. Yes. yes. Um, a classic. Please. Check us out right in. Uh, if you are in Georgetown right now fighting off Pazuzu, we would love to hear from it. And you can reach us at normies underscore like underscore us, where you can rate, review, subscribe to the podcast, follow along all Spooktober long for the spookiest content ever. I think we get like five episodes this month, right? Absolutely. That's right. Five, five episodes. Five and Mike weeks. said our final one comes out on Halloween. Like, it, wow. like if you're listening to spooky all stuff Eve. all month, all Hallows Eve, you will get a spectacular by the north. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that won't happen for another seven odd years. I don't know with leap year. Right. Name, works, but. name all the devils we worship on this podcast, <laughs> yes. Jacob. Pazuzu, uh, Pazuzu Sam Wayne. <laughs> yeah. What's the Ghostbuster one? Uh, oh, uh, yeah. What is her name? Zoltar? Is Hey, yeah, Zool, I thought that was, right? Zool. Zool, thank Zool, you. Zool. Yeah. Zool. That painting guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, no, also, Norman, love them all. like I said, yeah, uh, October 6th, not only check out The New Exorcist, check out The Kane Mutiny Court Martial. Not yeah. a spooky movie, a courtroom drama, but you know, pour one out for the late, great I, Billy hey, Friedkin. Well, Probably oh, yeah. not watching in October, <laughs> but I'll get around to it. Yeah, <laughs> it's on Paramount Plus, I believe. So yeah. check that I'm out. I'm excited. I have yeah. not liked a lot of his last films. Have you guys ever seen Killer Joe later with Matthew Killer McConaughey? Joe, Matthew McConaughey. Uh, That's a, a Tracy Letts uh, screenplay. Screenwriter right. Tracy uh, Bug is as well. He just yeah. loves these playwrights. I'm telling you. Yeah. Um, we really got to just take this know. to uh, movie trivia night and we'll start making some real money. I think That's with our right. brains combined. Man. <laughs> there we, we go. I love there to talk movies. Love to talk movies with you boys. So Absolutely. Yeah. happy spooks. Especially 1973 happy... classics like The Exorcist by William Friedkin. As we said, RIP to him. Uh, thanks, Normies, for following along. Check out our YouTube page where you can watch these. And that's it. We've been your host. This is uh, your mother sucks Collins in hell. Uh, Mike Zuzu again. And this is The Power of Cobb Compels You. Thanks, like, share, and subscribe. Thanks, Of Cobb compels you. you. The, the power, power of, of Cobb compels, compels you. you. Don't stop reading, Jacob. Don't stop <laughs> reading. Of Cobb compels Finish you. It. <laughs> Go, come into me. <laughs> Bye. Thanks, <laughs> Bye. Stay spooky. My name is Gandalf the Grey, and I'm imploring you to leave a like, share, and subscribe to this podcast. Don't keep it secret. Don't keep it safe. Don't take me as a conjurer of cheap tricks, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Normies Like Us. 
Fly, you fools.